Thanks, Laura. It will help you if you've got that passage open in front of you, page 1079, in, uh, no, 1077 in your Bibles. Let me tell you about Dot. Dot was a lady in her 80s in my last parish who was dying of cancer. She had three children. Uh, one was based up north, one in Switzerland, and one in New Zealand. She was pretty small and very frail. During her final illness, Dot was hospitalized several times, and it was hard for her family to decide which family member was going to come over and be with her. Because coming back from New Zealand is a big undertaking. Anyway, Dot found herself in intensive care, and her daughter Gail duly flew home from New Zealand. It was a 48-hour trip from door to door. Arriving at Heathrow, she didn't eat. She went straight to the hospital. She was exhausted. And arriving at her mother's bedside, Dot took one look at her daughter and said, Oh, no, not you. <laughs> Dot wasn't silly. She knew that if Gail had pitched up all the way from New Zealand, it was not good news. You know, she may as well have come to the bedside dressed as the Grim Reaper. Remarkably, Dot recovered from that illness, but she died not long afterwards with all her children by her side. So our Bible reading from John 11 is central to John's Gospel. It is only John who tells the story. And as we continue our deep dive into life and death issues this morning, we are thinking about the question, how can I be sure? And the answer is in the way Jesus confronts the death of his friend Lazarus. So we're going to think about the three sides of Jesus which this story shows us. Jesus loves the dying. Jesus is outraged by death. And Jesus conquers death. That's where we're going this morning. Jesus loves the dying. Jesus is outraged by death. And then Jesus conquers death. So Jesus loves the dying. So Jesus has withdrawn across the Jordan River when he gets the message that Lazarus is gravely ill, verse 3. And he immediately predicts, verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So then, Jesus doesn't set off straight away, but he stays put for two more days, verse 6. And he's probably about four days' journey from Bethany. So if Mary and Martha have sent him word, things are bad, like the relative called home from New Zealand. And Jesus is really clear, verse 14, look down at that, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Eventually, Jesus takes the journey that many people here have taken to the bedside of a dying relative. This only goes two ways. You arrive to see your loved one before their death, or perhaps they don't die that time, or you don't make it in time. And just a word about that. I've been on this journey with people many times. And sometimes people feel really guilty that they didn't make it 
to see their loved one. And if that's you, I would just love to let you off the hook. Your loved one knew, they either knew that you were coming or they knew that you would come. And that is what counts. Being in the room with a loved one when they die is a huge privilege, but it is also very difficult and very costly. It is definitely not like it is on the telly. And if they ran out of time before you arrived, that is not in your hands. You were on your way, you were doing your best. And whoever is in the room at the time, each of us takes that final journey alone, actually. Sometimes it's a recognised phenomenon that when loved ones are at the bedside, the dying person actually slips away when they've gone out for a break. Both of my parents died suddenly and I wasn't there. They were on their own. And if you feel bad about any of this, just release yourself from whatever preconceived idea you have about what death should look like. Death often strikes when you least expect it. Faced with a choice of when to go, a choice which many of us will face at some stage, Jesus delays. It's likely that Lazarus was already dead by the time he got the message. In any case, he leaves it two full days before he travels. He's making a point, or he's going to make a point. Jesus, the loved one, goes to be with Lazarus and his family at just the right time, but it isn't the time that they wanted. So Jesus loves the dying. That is our first point. And then Jesus is outraged by death. So, verse 17, Jesus arrives in Bethany, and here... I think we see him at his most human, really in all the Gospels. Martha goes out to meet Jesus and says, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It is a statement of faith that he would have healed Lazarus if he'd had the chance. And then when her sister Mary comes out, did you see she uses exactly the same words? Lord, if you had been here, verse 32, my brother would not have died. Jesus' response to the sister's grief is in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The Greek word for deeply moved in spirit implies anger, outrage. It is the same word that's used for a horse when it's upset. When Jesus sees the tomb, he weeps, verse 35. For Jesus, who was there in the middle of creation, death is an outrage. The natural order of things where people were made to live face to face with our God forever has been turned upside down because of the ruptured relationship with God and humanity. And now people die. It isn't meant to be like this. The creator is appalled. He's not weeping out of upset that Lazarus is dead because he's about to resurrect him. He's weeping in outrage at death. 
at the effect that death has on everything surrounding Lazarus. And this is where Jesus is a unique figure in human history. You know, some people say, oh, different religions are all different ways up the mountain. You've heard people say that. No other religion puts God right alongside humanity, weeping with the bereaved. Jesus' people don't encounter God as a remote figure who, you know, you can put your faith in and maybe he'll rescue you. You can pray to him, but you don't know him. No. Jesus' people know him right alongside us in our humanity. So in this scene, we see Jesus both as the creator, outraged at this ultimate act of decreation, and as a human right there alongside those who mourn. Jesus is outraged by death. So we've got Jesus uh, as a loved one. We've got Jesus outraged by death. And then Jesus conquers death, our third thought this morning. So Jesus comes to the tomb, verse 38, a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. That might sound familiar if you know this story and the story of Jesus well. He orders the stone be taken away, waving away the objection that it's going to smell. Verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? And then he prays and cries out, verse 43, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus conquers death. You can be totally sure because he'd been in that tomb so long, he wouldn't have woken up. This isn't some accident. He was so dead that he was rotting away. And yet he walks out. Here is the man who told the storm to be still, and it was. Here is the man who tells blind people to see, and they do. Here is the man who tells the lame to walk, and they get up and start dancing. Faced with the outrage of death, of decreation, our creator strikes back. And when he speaks, death itself shrinks away from him. And what follows in John's gospel makes it crystal clear that you can be 100% confident about this story because the news spreads far and wide. People flock to Jesus. The dead man who's now alive is seen in public with Jesus time and time again And his enemies realise the only thing they can do is kill him. Jesus spells out his mission to Martha in verse 25 in some of his most famous words. Words you'll hear at the beginning of any Christian funeral. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. This then is the foundation of the Christian faith. Here is the answer to the question we were left with from last week, Revelation 20. How do I get my name into the book of life? It is only through belief in Jesus, the resurrection and the life, that you can have 
eternal life. Not one of the many ways up the mountain, the only way. Faced with Jesus, death itself shrinks away and is done for. So with Jesus, you do not need to fear death. That does not mean that the journey from here to there is going to be easy. And if you've been on that journey with someone, you will certainly know that. But you can be sure that he will be there on the other side waiting for you. And he'll be there on the journey, holding your hand on the way. Jesus conquers death. Let's go back to where we started. Uh, Dear old Dot knew that if Gail was there, it wasn't good news for her. But in the end, she needn't have feared. As a follower of Jesus, she knew that if he was there, it was always good news. She had the certainty of eternal life to look forward to. Jesus loves the dying. Jesus is outraged by death. And Jesus conquers death. Now, we've got some time to pray and we're going to have some ministry time together the way we usually do this at this church is i've got a little prayer and if you would like to just someone to pray over you for uh, that transformation that you will have confidence in your life and in your death to show jesus's love to those around you uh, you can come up, we'll be, uh, anyone who's trained in prayer ministry is going to come up to the back. Uh, we're going to have some music. You can come up to the back and just get a very simple prayer prayed over you. And during this time, if you feel really like God is speaking to you, if God's saying something and you need to share that, if that might be for everybody else, come and talk to Sarah and she will make a judgment about whether to share that with anyone else. So if I can have my prayer warriors up at the back uh, and do come up when you feel ready and we'll pray.